Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Super Saints Podcast. My name is Steve Bailey. Today we'll be talking about St. Francis de Sales. The years 1567 through 1622 were not great years for the Catholics in Switzerland. They were not especially good years for a bishop of the Catholic Church, in particular the Bishop of Geneva. The future St. Francis de Sales was born in a chateau on the shores of Lake Geneva on August 21st, 1567. His family was part of the House of Savoy, a family of nobles in Europe at the time. He was baptized the next day in the parish church of Thorns and given the name Francis Bonaventure. Francis was born prematurely, leaving him frail, delicate, and physically challenged as a young child, but he was never spiritually challenged. His mother kept his education in her own hands, aided by tutor Abe Diage, a local priest who was a very learned man. As Francis grew older, the priest became his permanent tutor, traveling with him everywhere. He became a voracious reader and devoured every book he could get his hands on. In 1575, at only eight years old, he prepared for his first Holy Communion and Confirmation. He received both sacraments on the same day, December 17th, 1577, at the tender age of 10 in the local church in Annecy, where he lived. In 1581, at age 14, Francis was sent to the University of Paris. His father's agenda called for Francis to enter the College of Navarre, as it was frequented by the sons of noble families of Savoy. The courses there would be a perfect fit for the life that his father envisioned for him. But Francis, who had kept his feeling about what he wanted to do with his life to himself, feared the influence of this school would have on his commitment to the Lord, and preferred to be allowed to go to the College de Clermont. It was under Jesuit direction and renowned for piety and learning. He was able to persuade his father, so Francis and his tutor took up residence in a hotel near the college and began his schooling. Those six years in Paris proved to be very important for his formation. He became a man of the Renaissance, obtaining a Bachelor of Arts degree. But he also studied theology and scripture. Spiritually, his life had become centered on meditation, devotion to the Eucharist and Our Lady. He made a vow of perpetual chastity and placed himself under the special protection of Our Lady. When Francis reached the age of 18, he was besieged by an unbelievable temptation to despair. His whole life to this point had revolved around his relationship with God. Suddenly, he found himself a victim of a dreaded apprehension that he had lost God. He feared God's grace was no longer flowing through him, and that he would spend his eternity condemned to hell, hating God, which was the torture of the accursed. The condition got so bad that it began to affect him physically. He tried to offer it up for the poor souls in purgatory, to which he had a great devotion, but it didn't help. He cried, Lord, if I am ever to see thee in heaven, this at least grant me, that I may never curse or blaspheme thy holy name. If I may not love thee in the other world, for in hell none praise thee, let me at least, every instance of my brief existence here, love thee as much as I can. In the midst of this torture, while praying the memorari to Our Lady for help, All anxiety suddenly lift him. He could feel the mantle of Mary cover him. From this experience, he learned a number of important lessons. The first was to reach out to Mary immediately when he was in trouble. Another important point 
was to try to understand and deal tenderly with the spiritual difficulties and temptations of others. When he returned home in 1588, after six years studying in Paris, his father wanted him to become involved in the service of the state as a member of the House of Savoy. His father sent him to Padua to study law at the University of Padua. In addition to taking courses in secular law, Francis was able to study more theology. He was 24 when he received his final degree and became a doctor of law at Padua. While he accomplished what his father had sent him to Padua for, the degree in civil law, he also, on his own accord, received a degree in canon law. Before going home to Annecy, he made a pilgrimage to Rome, returning by way of Venice and Loreto in Italy. While there, he visited the holiest shrine to Our Lady in the world, the Holy House of Loreto. As he approached the great basilica that housed the Holy House, his heart beat so violently that he thought it would surely burst. He rushed to the little house inside the basilica and just stayed there, praying and reflecting on the image of Our Lady, which had come with the house when the angels brought it from the Holy Land to Italy. He could not tear himself away from that little house, which had been made into a chapel. He stayed there all day. He went into ecstasy for the first time in his life. He cried during that time. We don't know exactly what transpired because he never wrote about it. His companion, Abbe Diage, his tutor, witnessed his ecstasy. He wanted to stay in the church the entire evening. Finally, he saw the huge main door close and heard the grinding of the keys against the metal door. It was closed, and he was finally alone with Our Lady. Upon arriving home, he was experiencing a certain amount of pressure from his father. At this point, Francis had not told his father about what he believed to be his true calling. His father still fully expected him to go into a suitable business. He had procured Francis a highly esteemed position in the government, a senatorial seat through the Duke of Savoy. Francis declined the position, and his father was greatly troubled by his son's refusal. His first real opportunity to serve in Mother Church came when the acting provost of the chapter of Geneva died. It was suggested by his cousin, Louis de Salles, that Francis would be a good fit for the post. The Pope made the appointment, and Francis reluctantly, and in shock, accepted the honor. He prayed that somehow this might turn his father's anger to love, and he would allow his son to have the life that he really wanted. After some persuasion and lots of prayers, his father gave his blessing. Francis immediately began wearing clerical garb, and six months afterwards, on December 18, 1593, he was ordained a priest. He began working with the poor and homeless, the sick and the addicted. He spent much time in the confessional, bringing back those who had left the church. He did a great deal of preaching. At the beginning, he confined himself to Annecy, but as he developed more confidence and was more accepted, he began going outside of Annecy. He was prepared to evangelize in the dangerous areas around Lake Geneva. This area, called the Chablis, which had been ruled by the House of Savoy, had been invaded 60 years before by militant Protestants who took over the western part of it, as well as some provinces on the north shore of the lake. Catholic worship was outlawed, and churches were burned or destroyed when not appropriated for Protestant use. Religious orders were suppressed and priests were exiled. It was still a Calvinist stronghold. As long as the Calvinists held a grip on the area, neither the church nor the Duke of Savoy had a chance to bring the people back to the faith. The Duke asked the bishop to send missionaries in 
in an attempt to convert at least some of who had turned to Calvinism. The bishop called a meeting of his chapter and explained the situation, and Francis stood up and volunteered for the job. He spoke very directly and gently. My Lord, if you think I'm capable of undertaking this mission, tell me to go. I am ready to obey and should be happy to be chosen. He was unanimously chosen for good reason. No one else wanted the job. There were no other volunteers other than his cousin Louis. On September 14, 1594, the Feast of the Triumph of the Holy Cross, they set forth to win back the Chablis for Jesus. They traveled from Annecy to the border of the Chablis region, at which point they sent their horses back. They wanted to be like the apostles following Jesus' mandate to them, carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and salute no one on the road. Wherever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the seek in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near you. They chose to go on foot from that point. However, Lewis only lasted four months before he headed back to Annecy. Francis had such an urgency to reach many more people than he could physically do, especially since his cousin had left him. So, in an effort to find new ways to reach the hearts of the people, he began writing what we would call today little tracts, explaining the teaching of the church as opposed to the errors of Calvinism. These little tracts, composed under such stress and difficulty, were later to become the basis for his first and most popular book, Controversies. This book was one of the reasons he was made a doctor of the church. The originals of these pamphlets are still preserved in the archives in the Visitation Convent in Annecy. Although Francis de Sales was brilliant, he wrote and spoke very simply so that he could be understood by the simplest of minds. Through St. Francis' untiring work, the Catholic faith was reestablished in the province and he was given the title Apostle of the Chablis. The Lord touched the heart of the Bishop of Geneva to consider Francis as his successor. Having had great success against Calvinism in the area of Lake Geneva, it was the right time to bring him before the Pope. He would be able to reach many more people in a position of pastor and as the authority of a bishop. He also realized it was a dangerous position. He would not be able to go to Geneva. He would have to remain in Annecy until the situation with the Calvinists, who were in complete control of the area, got better. He was confirmed as coadjutor of Geneva with the understanding that upon the death of the bishop, he would take that position. Francis returned to take up his work with fresh zeal and energy. However, he couldn't pass Loretto without a visit to his mother Mary. So in April 1599, Francis returned to Loretto to have some serious conversation with Our Lady. The following morning, he was able to celebrate Mass at the Holy House. Pope Clement VIII gave Francis a very exciting proposition. He commissioned him to dialogue with Theodore Beza, who was the successor to John Calvin. This would be a great challenge to Francis. He knew it would take a tremendous amount of grace to be instrumental in the conversion of the Calvinist leader. Beza was a brilliant man who took the edicts of Calvin and enforced them even more strongly than Calvin himself. He justified everything the Calvinists did. Francis was able to have four meetings with Beza in Geneva. They were lengthy discussions, and Francis became very high on Beza's list of respected people. Francis felt he would be able to bring Beza over the top with a fifth meeting. However, Beza died before they had the opportunity. In the next few years, 
Francis traveled to many places at the request of the bishop to represent the Diocese of Geneva. He had to hurriedly leave Paris in the autumn of that year because the bishop was sick and dying. After the passing of the bishop, he took the reins and committed himself with renewed vigor to the task that he had accepted from the Pope three years before. Francis became very famous not only in Annecy and Geneva, but in all of Europe. His preaching to members of the nobility were responsible for the conversion of many Calvinists. In 1622, he preached the Christmas Day Masses. He suffered a paralytic seizure and slipped into a coma. He did regain consciousness again for a short time, but after receiving the last sacraments, he laid murmuring words from the Holy Bible, expressing his humble and serene trust in God's mercy. He was heard to say, With exception, I have waited for the Lord, and he heard my prayers and brought me out of the pit of misery and filth of mire. Francis de Sales died at 56 years old on December 28, 1622 at 8 o'clock in the evening. His body was returned to Annecy, where the funeral mass took place in the Church of the Visitation. His body remains at the gospel side of the altar to this day. His heart, however, was originally placed in a leaden case and enshrined in the Church of the Visitation in Lyon, France. After his beatification, it was changed to a silver case and is now in a golden case in the same shrine. The beatification of St. Francis de Sales in 1662 was the first solemn beatification to take place in St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. In 1665 he was canonized. His feast was fixed for January 29th, the anniversary of the bringing of his body to the visitation in Annecy. He was declared a doctor of the church in 1877 and Pope Pius XI named him the patron saint of journalists. In his wonderful treatise on the love of God, he wrote, The measure of love is to love without measure. Hey folks, thanks so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Um, Something kind of jumped out at me as I was preparing for this podcast. Uh, It was about the Holy House of Loretto. Um, If you remember, uh, St. Francis de Sales uh, uh, visited the Holy House uh, on occasion. Um, It's a very interesting story. Uh, and invite you to uh, take a look at it. Um, We'd like to probably do a podcast about it here uh, sometime, maybe in the near future. What you may not know is that uh, here at uh, Journeys of Faith in Moralton, Arkansas, uh, actually have a replica of the Holy House of Loretto. Um, Very interesting story. So if you're in the area, I invite you to come see it. uh, And we'll probably be uh, explaining a lot more about it uh, here in the uh, probably near future. So once again, thank you. We love you. We're praying for you. We ask that you pray for us as well. And uh, we'll be talking to you very soon. God bless. Please load our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Here is how to download our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Simply with your iPhone or Android device, go to the app store, search for Bob and Penny Lord app and download it. It's that simple. Here's what you can do with our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Number one, there's a link to our marketplaces, our websites, 
uh, our uh, blog and this podcast. The second link is to our Bob and Penny Lord TV channel where you can access all of our videos as seen on EWTN plus a whole lot more. Thank you very much.